Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I am your host Andy and I'm this week just by myself um, for the week seven review. Um, we haven't got any guests this week but we should have one coming next week for the first time on the pod. Um, so I'm just going to review all the games as per normal, um, going through certain games in more depth than the others. So week started in week seven with a Thursday night football win for the Cleveland Browns as a uh, Baker Mayfield-less Cleveland beat Denver Broncos 17-14 as former Bronco Case Keenum um, guided the Browns to victory. Um, and the Green Bay Packers won 24-10 over the Washington football team. Um, but the first game I want to focus on is the game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Ravens. This meant that the Bengals are now top of the AFC North for the first time in around five years. Uh, they won 41-17 in a really emphatic emphatic win for the Bengals. Um, looking at sort of the player stats overall, um, it was really sort of quite even for a lot of time. I mean, it was 10-10 in the second quarter, um, 13-10 at half time. But then second half, the, the Bengals just took over and they scored, um, I think it, looking at now, it ran about over over 25 points in the, in the, in the second half. Um, in terms of the passing stats, um, Joe Burrow had 416 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, with just being sacked once, um, whereas Amar Jackson may have run for 88 yards, but he scored no rushing touchdowns, only one passing touchdown, 257 yards, and he was sacked five times, a massive difference in terms of the between the trenches in the battle between the Ravens and the Bengals. Um, looking at the rushing yards, Lamar Jackson was the lead rusher with 88 yards. However, Joe Mixon, Samaji Perrin and Devonta Freeman all got touchdowns on the rushing game. And then receiving-wise, Demar Chase once again proved for me why he is, for me, without doubt so far, the offensive rookie of the year. I think he's been excellent. I mean, there was a lot of talk about should the Bengals have taken Penny Saul. And I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts, but... I think so far um, they've proved to be the five and two start, and the way Chase has played, I think they proved to be exactly right in their decision to take Jamar Chase. Uh, I think it's only Cooper Cup that's got more receiving yards than Jamar Chase in the whole NFL this season. Um, he got he got one touchdown, but he got um, two hundred and one yards from eight receptions uh, and ten targets. So I think it just shows that he is just he's just been excellent, excellent when he's had the ball. I remember there was a one touchdown, he, the one touchdown he did score was excellent where he looked like he was getting ball down. He sort of to break the tackle and he powered through and ran, it must have been at least 20 or 30 yards. So Jamar Chase for me has been excellent. I mean, the next best receiving player was T Higgins with 62. So that just shows the, um, oh, I do like actually, it, it was um, CJ Uzuma with 91 yards and two touchdowns. But that shows for me the impact he's making what's it he's five six seven games into it into his first NFL season he only looks like one of the best um tall wide receivers in the whole game so I think I think yeah the Bengals have got an absolute star there um in terms of the sacks um Sam Hubbard got two and a half sacks uh Larry Ogunjobi got one and a half um Sam Hubbard was by far the most impactful defender in that sense um Jesse Bates has seven combined tackles from the Defensive back position, uh, four callback hits from Justin Houston, uh, only one fumble recovery, fumble um, recovery uh, that was made from Mark Andrews. But those two forced fumbles, both from Baltimore's Marlon Humphrey and Cincinnati's Akeem Davis, gave for now. In terms of the AFT North overall and the playoffs, I mean, me and Luke were talking about it last week in the pod in our week six review how we thought. The Bengals and Ravens and Raiders should we, will be fighting out for that last spot. But after that win, that is such a statement win from Cincinnati. And not only not only is it really easy to pressure on Zach Taylor, who was getting a lot of 
Um, same as Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, those two head coaches were two he- two coaches that were seemingly massive, massively on on the head on the sort of on the hot seat. But really, they've proved to be having excellent season. I think they've proved both of them that given time to get their their ideas across and their players. A bit like David Moyes at West Ham. For any of you football fans, um, give yeah, gives that Taylor time to get the players he wants. And the same with Cliff Kingsbury. And look what they're doing. They're five and two. Cardinals are uh, seven and uh, seven and zero. Oh, so I think. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be desired about this Bengals team. I think they look really exciting on offence. The defence are looking good. And I think the Bengals have got a real chance here of not only making the playoff, but really challenging for AFC North crown. I mean, I don't think, you know, when it, when they play against the likes of um, the Bills and the likes of the Chiefs and all these teams like that, I think they will come up stuck, come up stuck then. But I think, pretty neutral, I think Bengals have been one of these teams that have been struggling for years and years. Same as the Detroit Lions and the Browns. I think this is why a lot of people... Apart from that, if it, apart from support their division rivals, most NFL fans have a soft spot for teams like the Bengals, like the Lions, because and the Browns, because they've seen them struggle all these years. And then, and from a UK point of view, you see these. You come, you come from the Premier League where it's the exact same teams all the time. I mean, the Leicester season was a one-off, but it's always Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, City. Most years are always in around there, and you don't really see the likes of West Ham. Um, you know, all these teams, other teams in the league, have a chance because everyone knows that it's going to be the exact same teams. Where I think. Everyone knows the parity, which is what probably what brings a lot of UK fans into the NFL, myself included. The fact that there is a lot of parity to this league and a team can be rubbish for years and years and then be really good. Even the Patriots, they were terrible before they got Tom Brady and Belichick and look at them now, even though now they are struggling a bit more. Um, I think, yeah, I think for NFL fans, I think this is great seeing the, seeing the, seeing the Bengals do well. And I think it was the exact same thing last year when the Browns did well. So I think for me... It was really refreshing to see, and I think that it's going to be a really exciting AFC North. I think has actually been the best league, to, best division to watch the final league. I mean, and the NFC West has been disappointed in terms of yeah, you got two amazing teams in there, but two teams you expect to be good haven't been great. But more on those teams later on. But uh, the other games on the six o'clock slate, you saw the New England Patriots thrashed the New York Jets fifty-five thirteen. Um, but the next game I want to focus on was a shocker. It was as the Tennessee Titans beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-3. I mean, this is a score that absolutely stunned the whole NFL world. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, before the Super Bowl last year, he hadn't lost a game by more than eight points. This is by far his biggest loss, I believe. And it, it, it's just, I mean, in terms of the actual stats, uh, it, it's not great. It doesn't look great for... Um, for the Chiefs, who actually saw Patrick Mahomes go out injured during the game, so it's a bit of a worry on that point of view whether they're going to have him back for the next game or two. Um, he, he had no touchdowns in the game, which is surprising. Um, one interception, who sacked four times, um, and he had, I think, he had a couple of he had a couple of fumbles as well. Um, Chad Henney came in; he didn't get anything either. Ryan Tannehill only got one touchdown, one interception for two hundred and seventy yards, but also got a rushing touchdown as well. Um, in terms of the receiving game. Um, the lead receiver was AJ Brown with 133 yards and one touchdown. Byron Pringle was the Chiefs' best receiver with 73 yards, whereas Tyreek Hill only got 49. Julio Jones only got 38. Um, in terms of the rushing game, Derrick Henry was, of course, a star with 86 yards, but no touchdowns. But he did throw for a touchdown um, for their very first touchdown of the game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the next lead rusher with 35. But and then defensively, looking at the defensive stats, I mean, this is impressive performance all round from um from the Titans. I mean, Denisha Autry got two sacks. Brad Dupree got his first sack in the Titans jersey. He got he got one sack. Um, in terms of the callback hits, Autry again had four. 
Um, fourth fumble, there was three, all going for Titans' way. And Matthias Farley, Kevin Byard, and Bud Dupree were the stars on that show. But one thing I want to talk about is the injury to Mahomes. And I think the Chiefs are now three and four. Um, I think that's a worry because I think that um, if Mahomes, I mean, Chad Henney had that great play against the um, Browns in the divisional round, but that's just a snippet, a small sample size where throughout a whole game, it's hard to know whether he will he will do the business. I mean, they've got the Packers in a couple of weeks. They've got the Giants next Monday, and they've got, and they've got the Packers. That Packers game is a huge test for this Chiefs side. I think, for me, I saw back the Chiefs do well. I think one thing everyone's forgetting, yes, they're doing badly now, and yes, they're having probably a Super Bowl hangover right now, but if they can make the playoffs, if they can just squeeze in somehow, I think the Chargers may take the division now. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think if they can just squeeze in, I think they've definitely got, Andy Reid has definitely got some plays lined up that um, that they'll use in the playoffs. I mean, everyone forgets that the Patriots. Um, I probably have mentioned this before in the podcast, but the Patriots for a lot of years, especially for the last five, ten, five years of of Tom Brady's era with the Patriots, you did see a lot of people in a lot of media coverage. They, I think they lost to the Lions. I think it was Patricia's first season with there. They they remember losing to them. I remember people saying, "Oh, is dynasty over?" Every year there seemed to be a point where the Patriots, particularly at the start of the season, would start would start slowly, and um, I think people often were on the case, "Oh, yeah, the um, the Patriots are done. The Patriots are done." But then they'd they'd find a way, albeit they're in the easier division, but they'd find a way to make the playoffs, um, and then often would then play their best football in January. And I think that's one thing that this goes for any team in the whole of the division. I think that. Um, you have to look at the whole con- a bigger picture. The fact that yes, you can play well now. Look at the Ravens a few years ago; they were fourteen and two and lost in the first in their first game in the playoffs. And I think that if you're going to win a Super Bowl, it's not about how you play in week seven. It's not about, not about how you play in the first two months. It's about how you play down the stretch and into the playoffs. And I think that that is a positive for the Chiefs. I think that yes, they're three and four, but the season's definitely not over. They've got a lot of chance. To- well, but whether Mahomes is fit, I don't know. That's, that might be a big thing. But their defense is a massive issue for them. I mean, they're fifth and bottom in passing yards allowed. Um, in terms of the rushing yards allowed, they aren't. That isn't great either. They are currently uh, sixth from bottom in there. And then looking at the points, I mean, I know like two weeks ago they were bottom dead last in points allowed. They're now fourth and bottom. Um, so yeah, it doesn't look great. I mean, the three teams below them are the Texans, Dolphins, and Washington team. So that's never a good sign in from that point of view. But I think the Chiefs have still got a great chance to prove the critics wrong. I think they've got still the best callback in the league in in um, Patrick Mahomes. They've got Tyree Kill. They've got Travis Kelsey. I mean, I do think teams have worked them out, but I do think yet again, if they can get a run going together at the end of the season down the stretch, because they've got an easier schedule coming up. So I think if they can do that. I think they've got a chance to still make the playoffs and even get back to a, a third straight Super Bowl. Um, the next game I want to focus on is the Panthers beating the Giants, sorry, losing to the Giants 25-3 in a quite surprising result, I must say. I think no one expected the Panthers to, to lose, to even lose, let alone lose by, by 23, 22 points. So it's, 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 I mean, it's, the game was actually quite dead until the third quarter. I mean, it was 5-3 at half time, which is a weird score. Um, and then... Um, then the New York Giants ran away with it towards the end of the game. I mean, Dante Pettis got a touchdown, um, and then Devontae Booker got the second touchdown um, f- from the ground game. Um, now, for me, again, because I watched on Red Zone, I didn't see the whole game, but I want to focus on one thing in particular. Before we do that, looking at the defensive stats, 
Um, two and a half sacks from Aziz Ojolari. I mean, this is a guy I raved about massively on the Third and Gold podcast when I was a guest on their show. Um, and I've raved about him in articles before that he was a massive, massive talent from Georgia. And he's proved it so far. I mean, he's got two and a half sacks in this game. He had five combined tackles, four quarterback hits. I mean, this guy to get him in the second round was an absolute steal. And I said this at the time, and I'm saying it yet again, yet again, that he is a real star. And I think he's going to be an excellent player going forward. Leonard Williams, another player I like. He had one and a half sacks, whereas Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Jabril Peppers, and Dexter Lawrence all had a sack each. Um, and in terms of the rushing game, um, Devontae Booker had 51 for the Giants. Chuba Hubbard had 28. Uh, that was probably the not the best day from him from the rookie. Um, receiving yards, DJ Moore had 73. Darius Slayton had 63. But the only touchdown receiving-wise came from Dante Pettis. But one, the thing I want to talk about the most was Sam Darnold and his performance in this game. I mean, from the result line, it's clear he didn't get a touchdown. He got one interception. He was sacked three times. Uh, only three for 111 yards from 25 attempts and 16 completions. With Daniel Jones, only three for one touchdown. Uh, 203 yards passing um, from 23 completions and 33 attempts. And he was sacked twice. I mean, Daniel Jones is someone I've always backed. Same with the third and 49ers quarterback. We will mention later on in this pod. But Sam Donald, he started the season so well when they were 3-0. Everyone was praising the Panthers, saying, oh, look at him now. Sam Donald, comeback player of the year. I mean, Matt Rule was getting praised. I still think he's a good coach, but he was getting massive praise as well. And I think it's all, crumbling, all gone crumbling down. Sam Donald, for me, was... I remember I was in work back in 2018, and I was saying to a colleague of mine that I thought Sam Donald wasn't, wasn't it and wasn't um, going to be a good ta- ro- uh, prospect in the NFL. And I think he's proved that. I mean, yes, he looks better than he did it with the Jets, but that is a Jets with Gase. And with the Panthers, I don't think he's doing enough. I don't think he's doing enough to me to warrant um, staying beyond the year or two. I think that he could be just a bridge quarterback. And I think that if that's the case, I struggle to see him starting anywhere else again consistently. Um, I think he may have that same tag as, you know, Tyrell Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, Teddy Bridgewater now, sort of players who come in just for years. They just steady the ship until they find a the quarterback they want. And I still think... This is actually a nice segue to the next game, but I think they could be an outside shout still to get to Sean Watson. But one team that looks a favourite to get him is the Miami Dolphins, my Miami Dolphins, as they lost once again to a last-second field goal, as they lost 30-28 to the Atlanta Falcons um, with a last-second kick from Young Way Koo. For me, this game was the exact mirror of the game I went to the week before in London against the Jaguars. The exact same game. And it was the exact same problems once again for our Dolph- my Dolphins. Um... So in this game, we got we got the first, we got the first touchdown on the very first drive, same as London. Uh, it was um, Isaiah Ford who was put back on the active roster this week. Uh, he's had a really up and down time with the Dolphins, back and forth traded to Patriots, back to the Dolphins again. Um, so yeah, we start off well with with a touchdown to Isaiah Ford, but then we we allowed just like we did with the Jags, we allowed them to get back into the game by the end of the first half into sec- into the second half. Um, Calvin Ridley got a touchdown in the. Sort of near the end of the first quarter, um, sorry, with five minutes to go to make it 10-7 before Young Way Q scored a kick right at the end of the first half, 13-7 at half time, and then they increased it to 27 when Russell Gage got a touchdown at 49 yards, which is a really bad defensive play from Javon Holland, who I was actually impressed with for some parts of this game, and he's probably been our best uh, rookie, so maybe him and Wardle have been our best two rookies so far, but he struggled massively in coverage against Gage 
in this play. Um, but then, yeah, we got back in the game. Mike Kosicki got touchdown to make it 20-14 before Patson got another one to make it 27-14 to the Falcons. Again, making the game seem like it was over. But then uh, Miles Gaskin got a receiving t- pass, receiving touchdown after a pass from Tua. And then he then um, threw another touchdown again to give us a lead for the first time in the game to make it 28-27 for his, fourth, his first ever four-touchdown game in the league. But then right at the end... They got the play they needed from Kyle Pitts to get him in field goal range. And then Young Way Q, they ran down the clock. Young Way Q got the winning field goal. And that's the win. And it's the exact same problem we had last week, where we start the game well. We let the opposition back into the game. Then we get some hope and get the lead towards the end. And then right at the end, we're less heartbroken. So for me, um, I want to make a couple of points on this. First of all, on the head coach situation, because I've been, getting, I've been hearing a lot of smoke on Twitter. A lot of people um, sort of saying that... Brian Flores should be under pressure, should be fired. Um, I mean, I get it in a way because he's not hired the best coordinators and part of that is down to him. But then I think at the same time, you've got to look at what he's done in the first two years and he can't just base one year to get him sacked. I mean, look at um, look at Freddie Kitchens, for example, at the Browns. He only had one year, but you could tell the whole year that he wasn't a fit for this team. Uh, but Brian Flores, the first two years, was projected as being one of the best coaches in the whole league. I mean, I still think he is one of the best on his day. I think that he just needs the, the right coordinators. He's picked some terrible coordinators. They've been absolutely awful, some of the play calling in this season. But I think that Brian Flores should absolutely not be fired. I think that if anyone's going to get fired, it's Chris Greer because of his draft picks. And I think the first men to go should be the coordinators, the two coordinators, by the way. I think both of them need to go because both of them haven't shown to me anything that is any better than Changeli. And really, Changeli... Really, if you look at it, maybe it should have stayed because we went ten to six with Changeli as our OC, and we've lost six games already this year. So I think, I think, a lot has to be said about the coordinators. I think they need to have a serious look at themselves, and I think they are the main culprits behind this poor season. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about was the quarterback situation. Deshaun Watson has been linked heavily in the last week with a trade to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, with Tua at one point seen seen as part of a three-way trade, um, him going to Washington um, as part of the trade. But um, I think there's been a lot of people now disproving that theory about the Washington deal. But I think for me, it's hard on Tua in a way. I mean, I everyone knows who is a regular listen to the podcast that I am not a big fan of Tua. But I think he had mostly a good game. But it was those two interceptions he had that was the killer. That for me is it. I mean... People can look at stats and look at all this kind of factor and judge a player based on stats, but a lot of things aren't taken into context when they do mention stats. You look at, um, for example, yes, he got four touchdowns, but everyone forgets the two picks he got were terrible picks. I mean, the one pick was just such a bad throw, and then the other pick was the worst for me because we just got back into the game. We just got the, um, I think it was there with the fourth fumble. I think it was, I can't think of who the player was now who got the fourth fumble, but... Um, I think for me it was we got we, we got life but we got we got Coleman's we got back in the game we got some life and then the very first play he made through a pick and it it wasn't even a hard one to intercept for the Falcons player it was it was just simply a terrible throw and I think that yes I think to it isn't the problem I think that's something we all know now I think it's a defensive line and maybe parts of the defense but I think if you look at um, some of his decision making. I mean, he came into this league when he drafted him, seeing someone with excellent accuracy. And yes, he has some good throws now and again. Yes, he can. He's looked more comfortable recently since coming back in the pocket. But I think at the same time, 
he's making these terrible throws. He's making these poor decisions again and again. And I think that, for me, the Sean Watson, last season, he was the passing yards leader whilst being the third most sacked quarterback. That, for me, shows that he can handle a bad offensive line and still perform. And, yes, our receiving call hasn't been, isn't one of the best, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot better than what the Texans had last year with Deshaun Watson. So I think, for me, Deshaun Watson, the issue is his legal stuff, and I've been saying this before, that we can't give up three first-round picks for a guy that could be going to prison if, unless we have some sort of conversation lined up, some sort of thing. I still think, personally, get Deshaun Watson and keep two or somehow. Don't lose, just give him, I think, give him, to give him maybe three seconds and thirds and a first or something like that. Give him a lot of seconds and thirds. Don't give up your first-round picks. And I think personally have both two and the Sean Watson there because the Sean Watson, if he comes if he comes in and he's allowed to play, he's going to be rusty. And I think that maybe to have two there, also have him there because um, I think if we do draft trade for him and then he does get charged with um, whatever whatever he's done and he gets banned from the league or even put in prison, I think that we can have someone like two there who knows the system already a lot more than Bissett does. And I think he can be a good backup for us. But at the same time, he has that value still. So I think that he could potentially, if he can get a few firsts for him. Then again, if you get first for him, we're not going to use them well. We've proved that with Greer, that we've not actually used these picks well at all. So do we even need picks? I mean, look at the Rams. They don't use picks in the, in the playoffs every year. So I think that there's a lot, a lot to be said about actually how draft picks aren't the be-all and end-all of a successful team. But that is my Dolphins rant over for another week. I expect us to lose one again next week. We are playing the Bills. Um, they are coming off a bye week, a bye week as well. So I think um, we lost 35, th- I think it was a 35-0. We lost, we lost something crazy like that in the second week. A massive blowout. And I think we will lose once again to a massive scoreline. Now, we are now heading towards the late games. As the Rams won the Jared Goff, Matt Stafford Bowl, 28-19. Um, and the Las Vegas Raiders beat the Philadelphia Eagles 33-22, and the Arizona Cardinals beat the Houston Texans 31-5, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Chicago Bears 38-3. So that late, they had a lot of sort of convincing wins, not really much exciting. The one game probably was the Lions rammed in terms of drama towards the end. I mean, it was quite a tight game until the last quarter. Um, and then another one, the Sunday night game, saw the Colts beat the 49ers 30-18 with... Um, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo not having his best game in what was a very heavy rain-filled day in San Francisco. Um, I think for me, one quick point on the Colts, I think Wentz looks looks good. I think, I remember everyone, anyone who, who listened to my our, me, Stephen Luke's season preview and predictions, I did have originally, I did say I was going to have him originally as my comeback player of the year. Um, but I think the injury doubt made me change to Matt Ryan. Um I think the winner is going to be Dak Prescott. I think if the Cowboys continue the way they are, I can't see anyone but Dak Prescott. Just for the fact he pays for the Cowboys, the fact that he's such a likeable figure um, and the horrific injury last year. I think Joe Barrow is in with a shout as well, but I think just for the fact he's been in the league longer as well, I think Dak Prescott has proved to be probably the comeback player of the year favourite. And I think that Carson Wentz is definitely a contender. I think he's been excellent. I mean, looking, I'm looking at the stats now for him passing-wise. Um, you look at this, you look at... Um, he had 150 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, but he did throw a terrible pick along the way. Um, wait a second, why is somebody's face? I'm looking at the pro football reference here and they're saying he didn't get an interception, but I'm pretty sure he threw an interception um, in that game. Oh, that's weird. Or was it Jimmy? 
I've forgotten. I remember there's someone did an awful pass, whether it's Jimmy or Carson. I've actually forgotten who did the interception. Uh, but yeah, I think Carson Wentz looks good. I think that, yes, he's not the same person he was back in Philly, especially in that year with, when he won the Super Bowl. But I think he looks composed. I think he looks steady. He's got an excellent weapon in Jonathan Taylor who he can feed the ball off to. So he doesn't need to throw it all the time. I mean, he only had, what's the 17 completions in the whole game. Um, but yeah, in terms of a rushing yards, Taylor was once again excellent. He had 170 yards. And then receiving-wise, Michael Pittman was the lead, lead receiver with 105 yards and one touchdown, which is towards the end. I think Mike, they got a really... I think, I've said, I said this before, Colts are the biggest Super Bowl contender no one's talking about. I think that the Colts, they start, yeah, they started the season badly. We all know this. But I think, you look at the Colts, they're in a bad division. The Titans are going to win the division. I think that's clear they're going to win it. I think the Titans look too strong. But the Colts, don't, don't, don't discount the Colts. Don't rule them out. They're, I think they're going to make the. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they've got enough now to make the playoffs, and I think if they make the playoffs, I think just don't knock them out because, yes, if Wentz is struggling, you have got Jonathan Taylor. If Taylor gets singled out of a game, you've got you've got Michael Pittman. You've got, um, Murali Cox. You've even got Zach Pascal, and you've got some good receivers there in this team. And I think that. I think defensively they're good as well. They've got DeForest Buckner, who I'm a massive fan of. He can be an excellent factor on defence. And I think I think the Colts can be a team that can really surprise people and, and make something like the divisional round or even the conference championship game. And I think that the Colts are definitely a team to look out for in the following weeks and in the playoffs if they make it. But the final game I want to focus on was last night. Um, I've just literally I'm recording this after after just watching it in the morning on Game Pass as the New Orleans Saints beat the Seattle Seahawks 13-10. In a fairly forgettable game, if you look at the scoreline, um, but I think that there was a few highlights in this game. I think that there's an excellent pass from Geno Smith to DK Metcalf, 84 yards. Um, Alvin Kamara was excellent in, in the in the receiving game. He wasn't the best rushing. I think the new the Seattle defense dealt well with the rushing threat of Alvin Kamara, but receiving wise, he had 128 yards and one touchdown. Um, it was a really good performance from Alvin Kamara and the Saints. James Winston, I don't think is a finished product, but I think that he is certainly. Looking better than he did at the Bucks, which is weird because he actually had way better receivers in the Buccaneers. He had he had Mike Evans, he had Chris Godwin, whereas really the receivers he has aren't that sort of same level as, as Godwin and Evans. And he's actually having so far a really good season. I mean, he's only thrown for three interceptions all year, like something like twelve or thirteen touchdowns. So he's having a good year. Um, Gino Smith only had twelve completions the whole game, which is quite astounding considering Alva Kamara had twenty. 20, um, 20 carries, he had 11 receiving uh, target, uh, so he had 11 receiving, recep- 10 receptions as well. So I think Alva Kamara had, I think Gina Smith, I think you could clearly see, especially in sort of the, the third quarter, the much they went for the rush. I mean, they, they rushed pretty much every, every attempt in the third quarter, pretty much. In the fourth quarter, they went for the passing a bit more as they were chasing the points and chasing that field goal position. But I think that the Saints' defence were excellent. I think this. The defensive line for the Seahawks was good. I think they, I said before, they dealt well with the Kamara threat, um, sort of between the trenches. But I think the Saints' defense were excellent. They were superb. Um, Cameron Jordan is an excellent player, and he, looking at his, his stats for this game, he only had four tackles. He had uh, no, he had one sack. So I think he's not had, you know, his best game. But I think Demario Davis was the man for me. I mean, he was got two sacks, ten combined tackles, three quarterback hits. Um, and seven of his tackles were his own tackles, um, where they had three combined tackles. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think personally, Demario Davids was an absolute force. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins also had a sack. So I think the Saints defence were impressed, especially, you know, in the second last two drives for the Seahawks. Look at the first one, which when they, when they missed a field goal, um, there was a third down play just before that where um, Geno Smith was sacked, which then put him at least five or, five, five or ten yards back from their original position. So I think they did really well in that sense. And then the final play when they were, you know, I think it was ended up being third or fourth and 28 on that final drive. It was just an excellent defensive line performance in that fourth quarter. And they really did impress. They were quick off the line. Um, they showed no mercy. I mean, Jamal Adams had a good game, sort of, with that nickel safety. But I think in terms of the Saints, de- Saints defensive line, they were, they, were, they were quite superb and they were really impressive in what was a very defensive-led game. But that does that does conclude our podcast for this week. Um, so thank you for listening once again. A bit of a shorter one this week without a guest with me this week, but we are going to be back next week with Pittsburgh Steelers fan Freddie Harper Davis. So keep an eye out for that one next week. Um, he will probably you'll be reviewing his Steelers as they had a bye week this week. So next week you'll be able to review his Steelers and um, whether they won or lost or even tied. So thank you for listening once again. This has been the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I've been your host, Andy, and thank you for listening and goodbye.